Hi, I'm Tane. And I'm Aid, and this is Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 16, Episode 14, Married at First Sight. Hi, Aid. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Years just flying by. Sure. I mean, I, I'm like, we're still in Q. Oh, we are in Q2. I was about to say we're still in Q1, but no, we are in Q2. Or actually yeah. Q3 for the government calendar, fiscal year calendar. Um, okay. <laughs> the days are blending, the weeks are blending, but I'm excited that spring is coming. It's still kind of cold, but we get a dash of good day, good weather days, and then it's cold again. So I'm just waiting for it to settle and I'm looking forward to summer, my favorite season. Um, I, I don't, I haven't spent a full summer here in Houston, but no, I'm not looking forward to it. It's just going to be so hot. So painfully hot. Very, very hot. Very, very. I remember a time in Houston, we went out to like a lake or whatever. I didn't think it was physically possible, but I burnt. So it is very hot. Have fun <laughs> though. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, can you share with the people our updates for this week? So we posted our first Love is Blind episode this week. It was great. I mean, I hate to toot our own horn, but we had a good time covering the first part of Love is Blind. We will be doing the second part after the live reunion that Netflix just announced. I've never watched anything live on Netflix, so this will be an experience. I just want the people in aid I already knows to know that I think it's a bad idea. I, I have nothing to go by. I could be eating my words come, when is it? The 17th? But I just think it's a bad idea for now. <laughs> I feel like people, because they know it's live, will be extra, extra dramatic. Hmm. And everybody will get their points out because it won't be edited out at all. And, you know, we talk about this a lot when we cover, like, other, like, reality shows. Everyone is just trying to stay relevant. And now that Netflix is opening up things where you could be considered for another show, you could get cast for other shows, everyone is going to want to have their own moment. This is their final moment, except till Love is Blind After the Altar, to make sure that you put a stamp and you're remembered. So like you said, it's an opportunity to just act a fool or go balls to the wall. And if you're a villain, you end up being like Chase or Bartiz in perfect match. So it's a win-win. Uh, I look forward to it. Um, I look forward to talking with you all who get on our Patreon about it. Um, yeah. After party, as per usual, will be up on Monday. Uh, check out our Patreon for our thoughts on after party each week. And with that, Tane, what's happening in Mavsland? What is happening in Mavsland? Okay, so I told you guys that Jamie and Doug have been trying to find their forever home. I feel like this is not the first time we're hearing about the forever home, but this time I guess it's the actual forever home. Their offer got accepted, they're closing soon, and congratulations to them. I still can't tell where it is, but my guess is it's still in Florida, so that's that. Um, Steve from Boston season had a birthday. All the guys were there. I think that's the season of guys that keep up with each other the most, like in terms of hundred percent attendance. So all of the guys were there. And the interesting thing was Olajuwon and Katina, because Katina was, I want to say the only girl that was there. 
And they took a picture that seemed friendly. And I'm like, <laughs> may the force be with you. They could just be friends. But I'm sure, I shouldn't say I'm sure. If they are going to get back together, I hope they have the good sense not to let us know and to just work that out on their own. Because I don't know. What's because we're going to roast them. And I'm really happy for the Boston guys. I'm they they remind me of the DC women who do not post group pictures anymore. <laughs> but back in the day, we're always together. Um, but I'm glad that if they couldn't find a wife, they found some good friends. I I love male friendship. The DC cast, they're the ones who got the tattoo, right? Exactly. Yeah. Atlanta too. They used to hang out and I guess things changed. So Speaking of Atlanta, Virginia, our good friend Virginia, got into a war of words with Eric's new fiance. I think she goes by no. girl. Girl. <laughs> Second, third, fourth, fifth embarrassment for her. So it started on TikTok because, of course, where else is it going to be? So she put a song and captioned it with sing the words that apply to your last relationship, but the version where your ex-husband gets engaged less than a year after you caught him off. There is nowhere else for this story to go but down. Why are you even giving that energy? It's been how long ago? And then she even said, and hopefully hope the third time's the charm for him. And then she got called out by people like, girl, it's been over a year. Like, get over it and let this man live his life. And she's just like standing and doubling down on it, saying that she doesn't think it's a good look for him to get engaged six months after she cut him off. And she said that she's hoping that he doesn't do the same thing to her that he did. Eric's fiance is rightfully like, I wish she didn't say anything at all. She's just like, leave us alone. Like, it's not about concern. If you were, why didn't you private message me? And then she's like, yeah, when I saw his first wife, Virginia said, when I saw his first wife, um, when we were married on socials and I tried to talk to her, he took the phone from me and he threatened me. So I just thought he would do the same to you. And I'm just like, I, I can't believe this happened. <laughs> I, I, I want to say I can't believe it, but it's actually very true to form with Virginia. It tracks. <laughs> it's just, you have an opportunity to literally say nothing and you just can't help yourself. And you knew this would start drama. You know how many followers you have. You guys are on a TV show. You know full well what should be saved for girls happy hour and what should be put on your social media. And this ain't it. No, it's not. The girl is like, I'm not being abused. I'm in a healthy relationship. Just move on. People send me shit about you. I don't say anything. Virginia's like, just because it happened, it's not happening to you doesn't mean it didn't happen to me. But I just, she, anyway, she called him abusive, called him a narcissist, called him toxic. And Lola is like, I've seen enough texts and emails. You guys are toxic for each other. And it's just hot mess, hot mess. Can't believe that happened. So yeah. That that existed. I I wish her healing, I guess, is the best thing I can say. And I'm glad Eric didn't get involved. That I saw. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's it for the past participants. But we did get a question from Beck. Hi, Beck. And this question is in relation to Love is Blind. So the question is, Kwame, 
And if you listen to our bonus episode, we did touch on Kwame being matched. Not being matched. Well, he was matched. Matched for Mavs DC season. And H agrees with you that the season was peak Mavs. <laughs> and sorry, as a sidebar, someone asked me that they're trying to get into Mavs and what season should they get into. And I told him to start with Atlanta. <laughs> I said, if you want love and romance and a little bit of drama, start with uh, New Orleans. But if you want like drama and just chaos, just go with Atlanta. I think I would say start with Charlotte. Ha! That is true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Kwame was matched for Maps DC. And do we think that our first interracial black white couple was thwarted by the bride's cold feet? Or did we think that Kwame was matched with a black woman? I think he was matched with a black woman. I think Brandon and Taylor, I remember reading something about how there was a last minute substitution there somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I, yes, I think he was, I don't think the first interracial relationship was thwarted. I think they would have matched him with a black girl. We're on the same page. I actually agree (laughs) with that. (laughs) Because for one, the experts don't give a fuck what you want. So if you say <laughs> you want someone, if you make the slightest inclination that you're open, but you have a preference for, they're going to go with open. So I think that <laughs> Kwame was matched with a black woman. So thank you for the question, Beck. Uh, we love your questions. So yeah. Um, all right, guys, we'll be right back to get into the episode. They say time waits for no one and neither should payday. To keep your money moving in the direction of your dreams, Get Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use the money you get from Earn In to make sure you have your spending money ready for your fun spring break trips to the beach. Make Earn In a part of your financial routine and join Earn In's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earn In, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earn In today. That's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in AutoCall on the podcast because when you sign up, it'll really help the show. That's AutoCall on the podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max, see earnin.com slash TOS for details. EarnIn is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. If you're like me and looking to cut back on alcohol this year, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. They've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like a lime margarita and a grapefruit paloma, which happens to be my favorite, so you can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. Zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler at takearecess.com slash MAFS. Each can of Recess is a lightly sparkling mocktail made with real fruit and only 25 calories or less. It's a guilt-free way to unwind. They taste just like your favorite cocktails, without the alcohol. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make Recess Mocktails your drink between drinks or your forever mocktail. 
Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash altercallmafs. That's A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. Okay, so how were we feeling about this episode compared to last episode that was so boring? I mean, was this much better? <laughs> you know, certain parts of the show are starting to perk up. Once again, I have a very strong reaction to a certain situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I feel like we could have decision day right now because nothing's changing. Nothing's moving forward. Nothing's happening. Yeah. I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think next week things are going to start happening based on the previews. Okay. Yes. You don't think so? (laughs) Okay. But all right. I don't, but. uh, uh. Okay. All right. So let's get into it. They're doing a whole round robin and all the couples are doing different things. Clint is with his bestie, um, Gina's dog, and Shaq is packing for a work trip. But then they get to Jasmine and Jasmine is in the car driving saying that, She doesn't know where she is mentally because in the beginning she was open, but now she's guarded and she's not in the space that she wants to be, but she's hopeful. I only mention hers because I was just worried that she was recording and driving at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, who, who said yes to this, please. (laughs) So anyways, the episode fully starts with Nicole and Chris and Chris talks about including each other in home projects that they talked about this. And we see Nicole trying to get him to install a bidet. Um, I can't recall. I think her mom sent it. Oh, what a gift. <laughs> and Chris said he hadn't used one before. And Nicole in the confessional is like, well, sometimes they unexpectedly get intimate. And it would be nice to have a fresh tushy if you haven't freshly showered. <laughs> but... <laughs> My questions were, why install a bidet at temporary housing? Like, you're going to have to do it again when you move out. And then since you guys are going to have two apartments, are you going to do it twice? Who's going to get custody of the bidet? Which apartment (laughs) is going to have it? These are the thoughts running through my mind (laughs) as they install the bidet. Now, I don't know if you know this about me. I may have mentioned it before, but I have a thing about toilets, bathrooms, and it was just a tough scene for me. I was just really trying not to look. I just really, really hate looking at toilets. So I just kept looking away until I kind of sensed that they were done. So, <laughs> yes, I, I, if for anyone who watches the show Shameless, the entire intro scene is filmed in a bathroom. I cannot fast forward. Got to keep going. It's just a thing. I hate bathrooms. Um, Nicole tries it out after they install it while he listens at the door. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean... There, there truly are different forms of intimacy. And they switch places, and he tries it out. And they're still filming. I mean, we don't see anything, but we can see their facial um, reactions. So they're filming each other getting shot up, for lack of a better word, up the butt. <laughs> but, you know, 
I am mad at it because last week we were saying that we wanted them to have fun moments and this is it. This was fun to me. Pure fun. I actually, much like you, I don't really dig toilets. (laughs) I don't really want to watch people messing around with the toilet for an extended period of time, but I enjoyed watching Nicole and Chris have fun without ever saying the words, you know, in past relationships, we couldn't (laughs) install a bidet. No, 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 no. We just watched them have a good time with something completely ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) Loved it. And at some point, she even fell to the floor dying laughing. So it was great. It was a good um, turn of events. Um, Nicole says that it kind of turns her on, that he can put things together and he's willing to try something silly. I'm not going to lie. I called my husband and said, hey, do you think we should get a bidet? People (laughs) who have it love it. He said yes. So I'll keep you posted. Okay. I have issues with bidets, but that's fine. I would love to hear it, Aid. Please, share. The water comes from the toilet, right? For the bidet? Well, based on... I don't... Don't they install it to whatever water comes into the toilet that helps you flush? Not from the actual toilet. Like the water that pumps to go in there. So that's why it installed in that place, blah, blah, blah. I don't know the mechanics... Oh my God, no, Aid, it cannot come from the toilet. Ew. <laughs> That's why I'm like, ah, I don't really want toilet water. Anyway, someone is screaming at the thing right now, being like this idiot. Um, yeah. Okay, nice to know that the water comes from somewhere else, but I still don't. Uh, no, thank uh, you on the bidet. Um, I, I don't know. I'm hoping I'm correct. <laughs> I don't know, but I know people are going to tell us. So. <laughs> So anyway, this week, we are blessed with the presence of the beautiful Dr. Pia. I think she's so pretty. Um, The first couple she visits is Gina and Clint. Pastor Caller gives gives us this little intro telling us that Dr. Pia is there to help their intimacy. They don't want to hire Dr. Pia to replace Dr. Viviana. So in my head, she's a contractor. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just wondering what the plan is because we also don't have an announcement for the next season and what the plan is so okay till they tell us i guess so she asked them how things are going she they say well clint says that things are going good communication is good they're growing well dr pia looks pointedly at gina and's like do you agree (laughs) she's like i mean We don't feel married, but we're getting to know one another and we're progressing and we're building that friendship foundation. Beloveds, there's like 10 days left of this wedding. So (laughs) building this friendship foundation is not what needs to be happening right now. So, I mean, again, we know it's all done. They know it's done, but we're supposed to play along. So Dr. Pia asked what the obstacle is and they were like, yeah, they don't have physical attraction. She asked what creates that attractiveness to her. For, for Gina. Gina says she's not sure that she has just typically been aligned and it's just been there easily and she's just never really thought about it. And Gina reminds me, she does this thing that's a pet peeve of mine where it's like she says a lot of I don't knows. You could ask <laughs> Gina any question and she's like, oh, I've never really thought about it. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I just feel you're an adult. You should have thoughts on certain things. Like, what do you mean you don't know? You signed up for a show. What did you think you were going to talk about? So, Do you think her I don't knows are genuine? 
Honestly, yes. She gives me the vibe of if it's not about hair color or haircuts, <laughs> she's just going to be like, la-di-da, I'm not sure, I don't know. I don't think she likes to go deep. Gina does not strike me as a deep person, as someone with depth. And I'm not saying that in an insulting way. Some people just don't have time to deal with all of the things that come with it. She just likes to keep things surface and be comfortable and let's keep things moving. Like, what do we know about Gina? The joy of maths is it's like, you only get to know people in the context of their relationship. So I'm like, if Gina had been matched with someone who she actually was attracted to, cared about, whatever, I think she would come up with some answers to these questions. But I think that that's fair. And maybe she just doesn't want to show parts of her life. But I think like even with friends, I don't know who she is as a friend. I don't know who she is as a daughter. I don't know who she is as a family member. We just don't know anything about Gina. She just chose not to share anything. Okay. Even even besides just being a wife to Clint, I guess is my thing. The only thing we know is her passion for hair. Hair. So um she asked Clint the same question. And Clint is like, you know, when he sees someone, it's just an unquantifiable sexual attraction and it's just there. So she asked both of them if they have sexual desires that are independent of one another. And Clint gives an enthusiastic, yeah, (laughs) as Gina laughs. And, you know, Clint is the opposite of what I just said about Gina. Clint always has an answer, whether or not he's just like, this is me. This is what I think. But also, I mean, he's 40, so maybe it's life experience. I don't know. Um, but Dr. Pierre really came through with the questions and she asked like the right questions. I was very impressed. I like Dr. Pia. I feel like her skill is wasted on this group. (laughs) You know, what's the point in asking Gina and Clint the right questions? What are they going to do with it? (laughs) Nothing. Friendship mounting. Um, so she follows up. Oh, when she asked the question and Gina laughs. So Gina says, yes. And she follows up and says, well, how are you fulfilling it? And Gina's like, well, independently. <laughs> and Dr. Pia asks, okay, do you talk about it? And like, how do you plan on fostering, growing that side of your relationship? Because everything takes work. She tells them that they're not even talking about it and they have to water it. And Gina's like immediately like, Ugh, that grosses me out to talk about it. And that just made me think that maybe Gina does not have independent sexual desires. I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about Gina, but I just had that thought. Um, Dr. Pia asks about the discomfort. She's like, I'm, I'm sensing some discomfort there. <laughs> and, and Gina says not necessarily, but she just has no desire to discuss intimacy with someone that she has no desire to have sex with. It felt very cold, but it also felt very honest and true. Uh, I, I'm still thinking about my thoughts on that. She's still an adult, but I, I, I'm trying to imagine, does that mean like she absolutely would not? I don't know. You signed up for Married at First Sight. I just don't know what you thought you were expecting to do. But I guess your point is if she was attracted to someone maybe she would be different and want to talk about it. But she gives me the impression that she's just someone who's private and wouldn't even want to talk about sex anyways. But there's that. We're never going to know. So Dr. Pia says, 
well, how is your marriage going to last without sex? And Gina's like, well, I mean, I don't know if the marriage is going to last. And I'm like, is Dr. Pia pushing them to say we're divorcing? Because again, we all know this is done so. I love Gina and Clint for it, though, because in terms of couples that have been donezo at this stage, there just seems to be a real lack of negative feeling from them. Yeah. They're very positive about their lack of anything for each other. It's it's kind of fun to watch. It's called making peace. (laughs) And deep down, I really wish Gina was like, I mean, we've lasted so far without it. <laughs> so Dr. Pierre, bless her heart, says, okay, what could make things create like an arousal, like what usually works for you? And Clint is like, scent is his thing. And he just likes nice smells. And Gina says hers is smell as well. I was about to dog her out because I'm like, are you just copying what he said? But then she went more and she goes style, swag. And then I had reason to dog her out because what she was doing was, again, trying to throw jabs at Clint. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was an original thought, style, swag. And, I'm, and then Dr. Pierre's like, you don't think he has swag? And she's like, mm, no. I'm like, she mean? Like, that I thought they mean. made peace. <laughs> and I wish Dr. Pierre wouldn't have asked. I was like, nothing good could come of this. Nothing. I think it was good she asked. Like, let's just know where we are. Like, if we're, I think Dr. Pierre knows that it's all a facade and they've just decided let's play along, but she's trying to get them to be honest. But I just kept thinking, are the producers going for this? Like, aren't they trying to keep things neutral too? So that's where I was. But she's also new. So maybe she hasn't caught on. Like, let's not go that deep. So Clint says, I'm the king of swag. Like, if there needs to be one, I can dial that needle up. These are my lounge clothes. And it was funny to me. (laughs) I had to think long and hard, does Clint have swag? And I came to the conclusion that, yes, he does. And I also decided this episode that I've changed my mind. I like Clint. Welcome. (laughs) Um, I do disagree. Uh, Clint does not have swag. I do think he has presence. I I know some may think that's interchangeable. I kind of know what Gina means. But then if I try to think of what guy on the cast this season has swag. Eris. Okay. I don't know. I think you have to define what swag is. See, that's going to be a... (laughs) That's going to be hard. I think... Can you define swag? You just know swag. And I think I'm I'm torn on Eris because it's kind of like when you know someone and you just don't know them outside. Like we've been in his home and we know that he's so nonchalant about stuff. So it takes away points for me, but I can see, I can see that. I can see like if we knew him outside and we didn't see anything, we would think he had swag. I, I, I agree with you. I would say Clint and Eris, which is interesting because they have some other things in common. But if you were to ask me at this point in the season, who of the guys has the most swag? I think I would go with Clint and Eris. Clint is confident. There's something about Clint. And I, and I know, again, these are all adjectives that are interchangeable <laughs> with swag. <laughs> but, but I feel like Clint is so sure in who he is, no matter how wrong he may be at times. Mm-hmm. He's okay with it. Like, that's just me and I'm okay. You can put Clint in any room and he can make it work. So. But swag has to be something else because. Yes. It is something else. Yeah. That's why I don't think he has swag. Because <laughs> I'm like, of all the guys on this season, who is not actually, 
sure of who they are on the inside. Like Chris does not have swag. <laughs> Let but me tell you. Let's define. Let's give an example of who has swag. Swag is Woody. Yes, <laughs> swag is Woody. So now, if you're gonna put like Eris is just <laughs> Eris is just making the best of what we got. <laughs> what were you saying? I'm sorry. I'm just I'm trying to think of a definition of swag. Which first off, I can't believe how long we spent on this subject without coming to any type of conclusion. <laughs> and I would just not want someone to think like you have to have swag to be attractive because I don't think nah. they're interchangeable. Nah, uh, I, it's not the same thing. Nah, you can even be an attractive person and not have swag, and you could be an unattractive person and still have swag. So that's why I said I I think swag cannot be defined. You you just know it when you see it. It's not just having confidence, it's projecting confidence. Yeah. Chris is confident, but he doesn't project it. Oh, no, 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 no. No. That's why his father-in-law said he needs to have big dick energy. I'll never forgive him for that. That father-in-law. Ever. We vow, we vow to the death. <laughs> but moving on from swag or no swag, Dr. Pierre keeps on trying and says, maybe make the house smell like vanilla and spice without the expectation of sex. And honestly, I was with Clint and Gina when they made faces like, what is the point? And she's like, I just said, take away the expectation. I'm like, yeah, but what is, I mean, I guess that's why they're the experts. It's like, just go through the motions and you never know what happens when you just do it. Just do your homework. So Gina tells us in the confessional that they haven't talked about physical attraction since the honeymoon and it does put the pressure on them to go through with this exercise. So that was it. That was a fun visit for me, at least. <laughs> so we move on to Jasmine and Eris. So Aaron, uh, Dr. Pia comes in, asks them. When she walked in, I was like, is Eris attracted to her? Because now I'm just like, <laughs> looking, I'm like, what is he attracted to? So... <clears throat> um. She asked them, how is marriage going for them? Eris says it's not how they envisioned. And she asked if they feel like it's something they can change. He said that if it was inevitable, <laughs> they would have left, but they're still here. And she asked if they feel like they're getting their needs met. And Jasmine says, mm, no. So it's the same old story, not attracted to me. But she goes further and says that there's no physical touch. Dr. Pia says... Is there even a friendship? And before she even finishes, Jasmine is like, yes. She says this very emphatically. And she goes, yes, because he friend-zoned me at the honeymoon. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I, I thought got, she was about I, to say, we had conversations. We have nice conversations. <laughs> she goes, no. <laughs> Who wants to tell Jasmine that friend-zone and friendship are not the same thing? Oh, the girl is hurting. Let her have it. <laughs> okay. I, I, it won't no. be me. But it's not. <laughs> so Dr. Pia says, um, you sounded negative when you said that. <laughs> I love her. She's supposed to sound positive. <laughs> and she goes, uh, yeah, because I'm trying to be, a f um, I'm not trying to be a friend. I'm trying to be your wife. So she says, like, for example, she can't say the last time that he hugged her. And she asked Eris, like, you're not even hugging her. And he goes, you don't want to hug her. He goes, I do. But it's just something like the longer you go without doing it, the more awkward it feels. And then I remembered how two weeks ago or whenever he met with Felina, we saw them kissing goodbye. So are they kissing but not hugging? 
I guess. Or maybe they've stopped that at this time. Okay. I feel like they get worse, not better. So it's not that they can even maintain a status quo. It's yeah. that they went from physical touching just a little bit to now they can't even be bothered. Okay. So Dr. Pia says, you know, having good conversation is a part of intimacy. Are you guys having that? And Eris is like, I mean, we talk, but it's not like, oh, that conversation with Jasmine really hit. <laughs> Yes, we did. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, Eris, have you been having conversations with people before and being like, oh, that conversation with so-and-so really hit? Like, really? <laughs> I mean, it's possible. You have a really, we're like, that's a really good conversation. Like, I like that. So Dr. Pia asks if she, if Jasmine is holding back from him and she says no. And I'm like, Ur? and then she goes, okay. Dr. Pierre is like, I don't think she was expecting her to say no either. And then she tries again and she's like, okay, would you say you're not forthcoming? And I'm truly, truly just proud of her many, her large vocabulary to navigate different questions <laughs> when she doesn't get the answer that she's looking for. And Jasmine is like, yeah, 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 I think you could say that. Like, I'm not the one like that's initiating. So Dr. Pierre goes further and then asks Jasmine and it's like, would you say that you're just keeping the peace and you don't want to rock the boat? And Eris is like, yeah, he agrees. And Dr. Pia asks him to uh, expand on that. And Eris says, you know, when you ask her something, she doesn't give a full answer. She doesn't go deep. Like, for example, when Dr. Pepper gave them an assignment, they were on the couch for two hours straight chilling. He was asking questions. He was trying to start a conversation, but he wasn't really receiving answers. And Jasmine, her body language just looks like she is seething internally. And she's just like, he's, this is the Jasmine we see on after party. Like, just like, she looks like she's ready to fight. And she's like, he's very sarcastic. He makes her feel like he doesn't want to be there. That he just felt like he was asking questions just to pass the time. Not like he really cared what her answers were. Do, do, I mean, it's not our, we, we don't know. Cause we're not there. But during those questions, do you get the sense that Aries didn't care? Well, she specifically referenced that they were on a couch. When they did those questions, they weren't on a couch, were they? I think they... I'm I'm trying to remember. I think that was the episode... They were in a bed. I remember that part. And I thought the first one was on a couch. Um, I got the sense that this thing happened when there was no cameras. Ah. But, okay. But they did the Dr. Pepper assignment. I know I was there for that one. So I don't know. I don't know. So Dr. Pia says, so when she calls you out, how does it make you feel? No preamble, no nothing. Eris is like, I love it. And she's like, I got his number. I got his number. Eris gave Dr. Pia an answer that she was looking for. And then she was like, I, I think Jasmine was blushing actually when he said that and she was like can you give him that and she's like i can try and jasmine is like i was not expecting him to say that so that was kind of odd though (laughs) i felt like jasmine had a point i thought we saw it but i believe her that she can sense that eris is not doing these things because he wants to do them but because he wants to fulfill an obligation, which doesn't make him wrong, but it doesn't mean that she wants to be a fully ready participant. Yeah. 
That's true. I think last week we were saying how Eris seems to be on a self-discovery journey. <laughs> she just happens to be there <laughs> as a passenger. And she lives with him, so she's going to experience that. And she there's probably way more examples that's not on camera, like you said. So, yeah, yeah. So then we move back to Gina and Clint. And they cheers to getting physical. And Clint immediately asks that, you really don't think I have swag? I think that really bothered him. Like, of course. <laughs> I just don't know why she felt she had to say it out loud. You're almost at the finish line. Like, give this man something. So she did have the grace to ask, was that as insensitive as the honeymoon comment? So I think that's what we're supposed to refer to it as, the honeymoon oh. comment. <laughs> we're not supposed to refer to it as Slendergate? No, 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 no. It's honeymoon comment. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, oh my God, it was even worse. But he was just being Clint and just joking as usual. And as if that wasn't enough, she mentions him. I think what you need is a good haircut. And you know, if you say haircut, her eyes shine, the stars shine. I forgot to mention that during the part when Dr. Pia said, what are the things that get you going? In my mind, I was just like, Gina's is whisper hair salon in my ear. And that that's something that would get her going. But I think it was a dig at him mentioning that he needs to get a haircut because again, you're implying that his haircut is bad. I also, well, what I caught is that <laughs> she said we can't do the haircut right now. And the reason Ooh. why they can't do the haircut right now is because they're filming those interviews. Um, so you, So they can't change their appearance majorly during the season until they're done. Is really, but I mean, I mean, the most change I guess we've seen is like when the girls get braids, it doesn't Correct. matter. So Jasmine has kept her braids, right? Oh, no, she took that off since she's got the okay. weave with the edge control. Thank you. I love how I can't remember these things, but yeah, <laughs> the girls, the black girls get their braids, but you notice they take them out immediately. Yeah, because vacation is done. I actually, oh, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm thinking like. It might not matter because it's a uh, it's an interview, and everybody knows like that kind of changes. Because I remember Brianna gave us a lot of hairstyles. She did during her she season, did. so I don't think like it's really like a major contention. It's just that guys don't often drastically change their appearance, so it's just never been a thing. I think so. Both of them are in it, and they decide they're going to do the homework. She does say in a confessional that she doesn't know if making an R&B playlist will work. I'm like, was there a genre mentioned? Did it specifically have to be an R&B playlist? It could be anything. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so they go back and forth on if it's going to work. And Clint says, who knows? After this, we might go on Amazon and get a sex swing. And Gina was like, you don't know if I already have one. And he's like, damn, Gina. And honestly, Clint just won brownie points. That made me laugh so hard. So hard. <laughs> and I was like, the comedic timing of that was fantastic. <laughs> and I'm like, I really wish to get it. I feel like Gina is missing out on a good person. But hey, it's, it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. The part that blew my mind is when Gina said, well, if we stay married, at least you have a nice haircut. And that's when I, when I knew that this couple is a couple like no other. On maths, the decision day decision is so fraught 
There's so many emotions behind it that no other couple I can think of could just carelessly throw out, well, if we stay married or not, except for this couple. That's how secure (laughs) they are in knowing that they're not going past decision day (laughs) and not even trying to hide it and having no emotions tied up in it. (laughs) It's almost like we can see exactly when they had that conversation. I mean, off camera, of course, but a weight was literally lifted off of them. And you could tell that they were easy breezy once they decided to continue this as friends. (laughs) So we go to Shaq and Kirsten. They're chit-chatting over, I don't know, Zoom, Skype, whichever way. He's at his job in Memphis And they chit-chat, and she's, like, saying she's sad and that she misses him. And I don't know about you, Aid, but Shaq does not seem the least bit interested in this conversation. No. Uh, My exact thought was that (laughs) Shaq must be really bored by this phone call. Or he's mad about something. And then I was annoyed because I was like, why don't you just tell her? (laughs) Well, that's true. Now that you mention it, my... um, reason was that he was mad at her because he's like which version of you are you putting up for the cameras now that i have to play along with because (laughs) person seemed so fake hi honey how is work how are you doing i miss you and i'm like what what is happening it just didn't seem genuine I didn't think it was fake. I thought she was just trying to have a pleasant conversation but only one half of the conversation wanted to be pleasant Mm. Yeah, it it just seemed like overkill. It didn't seem right. And then when they were done, he's like, okay, when are you coming? He's like, I don't know. I haven't decided when I'm coming. I don't know when I'm blah. (laughs) I'm like, Shaq, you could try a little bit. And then they say bye. And then they hang up. And then she's blowing him a kiss. But then she calls back immediately. And she's like, I was trying to blow you a kiss. And you hung up on me. He's like, I did not know that you were trying to blow me a kiss. She's like, okay, bye. And then she blows a kiss. And I'm like, awkward. (laughs) My goodness. And they threw that scene in for a reason. Because we didn't have to see it. (laughs) It was bad. It was so bad. But, you know, this is also... I don't understand what's going on because this is the second time where you're watching the scene, at least for me, and I'm like, Shaq, why are you being such an asshole? I think it's because we're getting two different versions, but then she gets an after party and says he's getting, she's giving us two different versions. They exhaust me. (laughs) They're super interesting, though, and they're entertaining. I will give them that. And then for two people who can't get their shit together, they have chemistry. This is so strange. So we go back to Nicole and Chris. She said, oh, with Dr. Pia. So Dr. Pia comes in. She tells them, I hear everything is going well with you. Um, They talk about sex and how they decided to wait. And Dr. Pia asks if sex has negatively affected them in the past. Nicole shared how, um, sorry, Chris shared how he had a relationship where it was like they didn't care about anything else and just the sex. Nicole shares how she was with someone she didn't even really like, but she kind of had hate sex with them and she just wanted to feel wanted. And then the sex with Chris comes with no shame and something she wants to do. And Dr. Pia just straight up just asked about the foreplay. Speaking about foreplay, she didn't give him any foreplay. She's just like, how is the foreplay? (laughs) And then Nicole is like, um, yeah, we, we could use a little bit more. She's trying not to hurt his feelings. And then again, Dr. Pierre is like, are you a people pleaser? I'm like, 
whoa, whoa, Dr. P had the right questions, but ease them in. <laughs> but um, she's like, because it seems like you are depriving, depriving yourself of foreplay and not wanting to rock the boat that, you know, you have someone who cares for you. And what is it like knowing Chris is a safe space? Nicole starts tearing up and she says like, it's so amazing. She's never had that before. And she didn't realize that she had so many issues till they talked about it. And she's like, wow, I'm really fucked up. And Dr. Pierre's like, no, 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 no. And Chris says so at the same time, like you shouldn't say that, that you should rather say that things have happened to you. And she goes, yes, things have happened to me, but there are also things that I've let happen to me. And I have to take responsibility for my actions and letting people treat me the way that they did. She said she's thankful for having Chris, but there are just so many things that she needs to work on as they come up. I really appreciated how Dr. Pia said that to Nicole. Mm -hmm. Because she didn't, like, go overboard with it. She actually stated it very clearly and as a fact. No, don't say that. It's Mm -hmm. not true. I feel like that's how a therapist is supposed to talk you out of your own nonsense. Yeah. And one step further, I appreciated that even when Nicole was insistent in saying, I have to take responsibility for her actions, she didn't say anything to that. Because I feel like the instinct is to say, no, 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 no. Like, you can't blame yourself for that. I like that she just knew when to speak and when to just let Nicole say her piece. So, yeah. Dr. Pierre says, like, the good thing is that she has a good man that's willing to work on them with her, and that creates the passion for them. Um, In the confessional, Nicole says that she's not used to this feeling, and she wasn't expecting to feel this way. She just thought that Dr. Pierre was going to come and tell them how to make their sex life better, and she's going to be like, my husband is happy, he's good, I got this. But instead, she got to the root of why she feels the way she does about sex, and and helped and and what was blocking her from feeling even better. So Dr. Pierre gives her final words to Nicole and says that her hope for her is to reduce the self-deprecating talk to herself. Oh. That was so nice. And then we go to Jasmine and Eris. And <laughs> <laughs> these are some of these filler scenes that they had. Again, you guys, if you're listening, you can go back to an hour. We're not going to complain, I promise you. Um, they're cooking. I don't know. They're not cooking. They're just chopping vegetables because (laughs) nothing gets thrown into a pot. Nothing gets thrown into a blender. They're just chopping vegetables in a Mr. and Mrs. matching apron. And Eris says he has a new definition of intimacy from Dr. Pia, because like we said, he's on a self-discovery journey and he hopes that they can spark something before it ends. Again, like 10 days left, guys. Or 19? I can't remember. But... (laughs) Erin sure does talk to her family a lot because now this week it's her sister and her sister Emmy was just telling him like, she doesn't have to do anything for you to love her. Like you should just love her the way that she is and accept her for who she is. Um, Jasmine tells that Eris tells Jasmine that his, her sister told him that he has to give her what they didn't see in their parents And Jasmine says that her dad was very nonchalant. And I'm like, hmm, who else is nonchalant? You know, they say you marry your dad. (laughs) And (laughs) she says that her dad never said, I love you. But she knew that he loved her because he showed it. And that's why she's big on actions. 
But I think that's something to unpack. I think she wants to hear the I love you, but she's just conditioned herself to make do. And she never really allows herself to want more for herself and just accept whatever it is that she's given and just be grateful for whatever it is she got. I was like, Jasmine, what about the revolutionary idea that you could have both? Yeah. (laughs) Someone who has actions and says, I love you, which there's nothing. I mean, I do actually think there's something wrong with your dad never saying I love you, but that's who he was. That doesn't mean that's all you need to get going forward. Yeah. And that's the thing I think Jasmine and Eris, I'm sorry, Jasmine and Kirsten suffer from trying to make their spouse, like just repeating the same patterns of their dads. Like, You can't recreate your dad, guys. And, you know, I think if you recognize that your parents are just human beings, you can also realize that they have flaws. So we don't want to take the flaws, too. So elevate. Um, So then she said her sister said that he clapped for her at the altar because Pastor Cal told him to. I might have let out a hoop and a holler because I'm so glad this mystery is being solved. And then we see a flashback of Eris telling her sister, saying that Pascal said, what if she walks down the aisle and you don't like how she looks and she's tall or something or short or whatever. And Pascal had told him, like, no matter what happens, make her feel safe and comfortable in that moment. And what this man chose to do is applaud. So... (laughs) I'm not going to fault him for this. I really am not going to fault him for this. Like, it's a revelation to find out that he was following Pastor Cal's instructions. They're not bad instructions. And it's not a bad thing to do to make somebody feel good. It's just sad that the fall afterwards has been so abrupt. I feel like, I mean, first of all, that answers our question. Because I think we got a question some time ago about him applauding and what happened. And that answers that. But not to defend him, but Eris is pretty good at uh, following instructions. <laughs> Whether or not his heart is in it, he'll follow instructions. <laughs> Where I think he went wrong is there are many, many different ways to make someone feel comfortable, like smile hard, say comforting words, but to applaud, man, you made the <laughs> expectations <laughs> so high <laughs> that you could have just stepped it down a little notch. But oh well. Eris is an overachiever. He is an overachiever. So Jasmine said, so you calmed your wife down and lied to her? And then he's like, I mean, at least you started breathing and you didn't faint. Like, that would have been terrible. What else was I supposed to do? I feel like this whole episode is people having conversations that they should not have had. Oh, my God. Like, why? I wish... This is this whole, like, I don't appreciate Eris's honesty. I really don't. Oh, my God. It's gone too far. (laughs) What did this honesty serve anybody? Nobody was served by him being honest about why he was clapping. Nobody (laughs) was served by him saying over and over again, uh, you know, I'm not attracted. Like, it's just, it's, it's not serving anybody. I think what makes this worse is him and Gina don't realize that, shut the fuck up, like, that's bad. They don't seem apologetic like, oh, I just said something that is not the right thing. They're not aware of the fact of what they said. <laughs> so Jasmine says, these things should come naturally to him. As my husband, I don't want him to do things just because he was told and she doesn't feel like he's all in, like he may have one big toe in, but he's not all in and that does not put her in a good space. All right, guys, we'll be right back. 
And we are back to Dr. Pia meeting with Shaquille and Kirsten. Dr. Pia is in the same outfit. <laughs> this is when I started to wonder, did she shoot these all in one day? Or did everybody have their own day, but she had to wear the same outfit? She might have shot it when he was back already. And then they just made it seem like he was out of town, but she shot it the same day. When... Yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure, though. I wasn't sure. Oh, okay. True that. True that. <laughs> so Shaq answers the door. They sit down with Kirsten. And Shaq says he's happy to be home. And he just wants to make sure that they both feel appreciated and wanted and needed so they can continue the marriage in an interview. Dr. Pia asks how things are going. Kirsten is like, things are great. Pia says, what makes it great? And Kirsten <laughs> says, quality time is what she needed from him to get to know their marriage on different levels. Dr. Pia is no fool. So she asks Shaq if he agrees with Kirsten's assessment. And he said, well, I would say it's been rocky. Dr. Pia's like, you understand that those two things are polar opposites. <laughs> and they kind of agree that they've had their days. They're learning about each other. He has school and work. And on his end, he's trying to figure out how to balance it all. And Kirsten says she's used to being in control. And yeah, this marriage is not control, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pia says in a marriage, you have to relinquish control and accept each other's influence. And doc Dr. Pia asks Kirsten if she feels comfortable having her husband take care of her. Kirsten isn't too quick to answer. <laughs> uh, and she kind of, she, she does a Kirsten answer. Uh, Pia says it takes time to build trust and this unique situation is accelerated. I'm like, okay, we get it, we get it. We've heard all this before. Uh, she said, she's like, what attracts you to one another? And Kirsten starts talking about how when Shaquille was moving boxes, that was attractive. And Dr. Pia dug deep. She's like, what was it in the act of moving boxes that made you attracted to him? She's like, he's using his muscles and he was making sure that her stuff was taken care of and his stuff was taken care of. It was masculine when he was taking care of business. Um, when she said that, I was like, what does, I mean, and we'll get, they'll get into it. What does masculinity mean to Kirsten? <laughs> is it the actions or is it when a man does certain things, now he's masculine? Because the things she's listing can be done by women or men. It was really confusing to me. <laughs> that is Kirsten. So Dr. Pia says, do you think that he's masculine? Then there is a long, long, long silence. And then Kirsten, you know, manages to get out. He is. Dr. Pia doesn't let things go. <laughs> I was so annoyed by this. <laughs> How disrespectful. <laughs> Dr. Pia, I, but the disrespect part is that clearly for Kirsten, masculinity, whatever it may mean to her, is a positive and not being masculine is negative. It is not actually, masculinity is not a positive or negative trait. <laughs> it's just what you associate it with. Mm -hmm. uh, and Kirsten clearly associates it with positivity and uh, has lots to say about Shaq. So Kirsten says, I guess because, you know, one day he can be a tough man, the provider, the business owner. And then Shaq, uh, P Dr. Pia asks if Shaq is tough. 
And she says he can be, but she hasn't seen that side yet. She's just seen the kind, genuine, pleasing side of him. I mean, that could be considered <laughs> masculine. <sighs> um. So once again, Dr. P asks, can that be masculine? And she says, if it makes her feel secure and comfortable versus like safe and protected. So Dr. P is like, are you saying that you don't quite feel safe and protected? And <laughs> she says, well, I don't know because I just haven't seen that in him before and I just don't fully feel it yet. Dr. P is like, Shaq, you've been listening. So what's your reaction to hearing all this? And he says, like, do you not think that I'm tough? Do you not think I'm like this person? Does something have to happen for you to feel that? I was actually wondering the same thing. Like, is Shaq supposed to protect her from like, <laughs> I don't know what, what is, what dangers do we face in this modern world? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if Kirsten knows. She's just repeating what she thinks she's supposed to say. Um, I think there's an element in repeating what you think you're supposed to say, but at the end of the day, I feel like Kirsten likes to say as many ways and as, and as many times in different forms as possible that Shaq is not enough for her. Hmm. Yep. So Shaq continues on that train of he's like, uh, do we need to be robbed or does someone need to steal your car? Is your food not to be right at a restaurant and I need to get mad? Because he's like, I am not the type. And then he says that she wants him to, to mimic her dad and being masculine and dominant and being a man, whatever that means. Here's the thing. I don't know why she keeps comparing him to her dad. He's his own person. But again, it did not work out for her dad and her mom. Like, they divorced. Why is that part just glossed over? Go ask your mama why it didn't work out. Was that enough? He provided, yes. But did she get the other thing, the things you said about Shaq, that he's kind and you feel safe with him? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, she's an adult and she should be able to, you know, sort things out. It's a bit of a reach. It feels like a retread of last week. And it's a mystery because A, we haven't met the man. And B, <laughs> Kirsten can articulate all the ways in which she thinks Shaq should be like her dad. But she cannot tell us what she hopes to be the outcome of him being like her dad. Mm -hmm. And I promise you that if Shaq did the same thing and tried to put the pressure of her living up to his mom, she wouldn't like it. In an interview, Shaq is like, do you not see me trying? Like, putting forth the effort to be this person? And he says he's been having to prove himself as a husband, a man, and a spouse. And constantly having to prove these things takes a toll. Uh, you, Shaq says that she, they're back to talking. He says, uh, you say that you don't want to change me, but you still have expectations. And it takes a mental toll. Kirsten, uh, Dr. Pia says that her only concern is him changing to meet Kirsten's expectations and ask Kirsten if these things don't change, if he doesn't become your definition of masculine, she, Kirsten is real quick to be like, I don't want him to be something that he's not. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, if he's not something that he's not, you're, this marriage is not going to survive because he's not going to meet your standards. Again, So you can't say, I want you to be something, but if you don't change, but if you're not that something, we're not going to be married. Her answers don't make any sense. Sometimes I feel like she just throws words and hope they stick. It was it was a sad, sad conversation. I also kind of wish that Shaq was like, 
wasn't like, am I not manly? Because to your point, what is manly? Like, if you don't think I'm manly, I'll just be like, okay. I think and at the end of the day, like, Shaq has a lot of hangups about, I feel like, his own masculinity. Mm. Like, I can't remember how many times he's told us that he didn't get to play sports when he was younger. Mm. Things like that. That It can't be feeling good to hear all the time from Kirsten how he's not quite... I, I don't know. This This gender stuff is real weird. It is. And plus, in addition to that, I think we know more of the things she doesn't like about him than the things she likes. Mm-hmm. All she does is poke and poke and poke at him. You're too happy. You joke too much. You can't buy a house. <laughs> I mean, but let's not forget that in the beginning, that was her description. She was very picky. And the experts were like, yeah, let's pick you for Married at First Sight. <laughs> It's times like this where I'm like, your pool of people must be just astoundingly small. Mm-hmm. If this is the best you could come up with. Yeah. Um, so next up is Nicole and Chris, and they're going to do Dr. Pia's exercise. Uh, so they have this chest that is quite amazing and seems very large. Ha! They- Sounds like you're talking about boobies. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I could be talking about boobies or I could be talking about storage. <laughs> so they pull out all the stuff in the chest, the storage chest, not the chest chest. <laughs> and there's a massage candle. There's pineapple flavored massage oil. These people are paying attention. You know how Nicole feels about her pineapples. Mm-hmm. There's warming lubricant, which Nicole immediately says that's for the trash. <laughs> and then, then they close up the thing, sit on the couch, and Nicole says, ah, we don't need to do all that stuff. Um, <laughs> that she needs to work on self-love. Like, it would be more beneficial to work on mental elements before jumping in and enhancing something that's already good enough. Yeah, I mean, good for them. I mean, Krista says the most important thing. I'm, I just want you to be satisfied. And this was my interpretation of the whole scene. Basically, don't pressure us to do the most. We like our vanilla sex. Leave us alone. Vanilla sex matters. And I'm half kidding because I'm not saying that they have vanilla sex, but it's like, don't make us do all the things that we don't want to do. And the golden rule of every relationship is like, as long as both people are on the same page and they're fine and they're good, I'm okay with them not doing the exercise. Because usually I'm like, when when couples don't do the exercise, I'm like, what are you doing? Like Jasmine, Jasmina and Michael. But in this case, I wasn't annoyed by it. I just wondered, like, I feel like you got to have a line. Like, you're already putting a lot of stuff out there. And I know that many, many couples on maps have done the toys and done the whatever. And Stasia and Nate have had a good old time. But if you're not comfortable doing this stuff on camera, then just don't. And I'm really glad for them. They're like, "Uh, we don't want to. No, thank you. Moving on. We really appreciate it. We really wish Lindsay and Mark the Shark did that. Because now there's gag balls in my head. You know? Could have done without that image. So thank you. <laughs> it's super. I think it's super interesting because I can't recall a time where a couple just didn't do anything with the stuff they were given. Um, <laughs> did Jasmina and Michael do anything? I think they did. I have no recollection. I We missed that episode, actually. Yeah, I remember they we did stuff. They, they did, like, touch things. Okay. 
Okay, I think that's when they had that candle, and it was like if it's if it's lit, then it's lit. <laughs> but yeah, I just think Nicole and Chris were like, you know what, we're not doing this. Okay, what are you gonna do? Nothing. Fire us? No, we're not doing it. All right, great. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> to me, it's a testament to how bad this season is for all these different <laughs> couples that they couldn't give any two couples the same exercise. So Gina and Clint get something called just the tip. And I thought they were going to get like, cause um, they go to the door and there's a basket for them. And I thought their basket would have all the same stuff that Nicole and Chris's basket has no siree Bob. <laughs> I mean, she couldn't even talk about sex. If you give her like the lube. Oh no, that's going to shut it down. There's something weirdly entertaining about watching Gina and Clint talk. <laughs> They're funny. Well, Clint is funny. And she feeds off of his energy and he makes her laugh. So <laughs> Clint, I, my, the only note I have is like, Clint is funny. Like I'm laughing. <laughs> There's also the stuff that Clint looks like he's almost not quite offended by. So yeah. at first there's a safe word one. And <laughs> she's like, I don't have a safe word. Just saying stop is good enough, which I think is a fair point. Um, but then Clint says, oh, there has to be a first one. Tres leches. <laughs> then there's a the question about sending dudes. And she's like, did you send dick pics? And he looks so offended. He's like, no, I sent full body nude pics. <laughs> and then he said, portrait, 3D, <laughs> vertical, horizontal. <laughs> Clint was great. Oh. <laughs> uh... And even when they got to a question where Gina didn't want to answer, what is your favorite position? She hands and she hauls and he's like, just leches. <laughs> Safe word. <laughs> but can I just say that I was annoyed by Gina? And I don't know if it's my feelings towards her. It's like, how can you not even answer what your favorite position is? Like, you were ready for marriage and you were ready to go unmarried at first sight. Like, again, I don't think anyone should do anything that's not uncomfortable or anything. But we're adults. I do think that as adults, it's just healthy to be comfortable in certain things. So if you were willing to dive into a marriage site unseen, because again, if it was someone that you liked, what were you going to do? I don't think there's any harm. Like even with friends, you can answer what is your favorite position. And I just, I just didn't think that's where you draw the line. Like, Oh, I don't want to talk about it. That's just, I, I think there's a part of Gina that really gets into her head about how this is going to be on TV. Oh, she crossed that line a long time ago. So I, I always try to keep that in mind because I think that it changes people. Mm. So the two of them are going to do this sensate focused therapy. I had never, I think, heard the word sensate, which is why I'm over enunciating it. Oh, well, I've only heard it. It was a TV show. There was a TV show by that name. I, I But I don't know what came first. But it was okay. Sense8. Yeah. And it was no, about it was, the senses. Okay, with the eight. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. This it was the, a, the, the TV show was a play on word on I guess sense sensate, but they put it as an eight. Okay. Guess, yeah. That's how I've heard it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it was based on senses. Okay. So that's what their therapy was called. Um Gina says in an interview that she doesn't know if she can do this. Um, but I think Clint is super quick to be like, okay, if you're feeling awkward or uncomfortable, we can just stop. So she runs a massager thing on this arm. I really want to talk about the music. The only way to describe the music throughout this whole thing is 70s porn music. But there's <laughs> nothing that they are doing that is worthy of 70s porn music. Um, <laughs> They're setting the mood for us. 
<laughs> one boob. There's nothing about this. <laughs> Two people who aren't attracted to each other running combs and brushes and whatever the hell else on each other. In fact, that's how I describe that. So at the end of it, Clint does an interview where he says that they're built on the physicality aspect, slowly bringing us into the comfortability of touch. Okay, I'm just like, Clint, you guys aren't going anywhere. Nowhere. And I can't be mad at him because you know what they told him? You got to make a TV show. You got to marry this person. He's just doing his job as he's assigned. But I'm like, do you believe the nonsense that you were saying? Are we supposed to believe it? Again, give them props. Even for Gina, she at least went through with the um, the assignment. So. All right. So next up is Shaq and Kirsten. And we see a flashback of them getting instructions from Dr. Pia about their exercise. I just want to say that I loved her jammies. I really, really like them. They're very cute. They were purple, like marble. I, guess. I don't know how else to describe that color, but they were very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, goodness. So there's a whole thing about Shaq being in control. At one point, he's like, follow my instructions. He sends her to the washing machine. She finds rope. He ties her up a little. Kirsten in an interview says she likes the rope. There's a whole thing about control and sometimes he needs to take control and allowing our bodies and voices to lead us into whatever we're about to do. And she says that she's transforming and that he can lead her and she can trust him. Then they lie in bed and have a super interesting conversation. Mm. (laughs) More talk about control. He says they have some stuff to work on. There are things we both want compromising. She says, what are some of the things he says? Communication. I mean, even though he was gone, they could have like scheduled time to talk to each other, to check in. Um, then he says that he wanted her there in Memphis. I was like, this is why this man was salty on the phone. (laughs) And then he says, yeah, but you had planned things and you're going to run the streets while Shaq was gone. And she said, uh, but it was a work event. Okay. So this is how the conversation went to me. Kirsten may have had vague plans to go to Memphis with him for this work event. In this mind, in his mind, she was definitely going with him. And then he started packing and she's like, oh, I've got all these plans. I'm like, what kind of horrible communication is this? This is where they always throw me for a loop. I don't know who's saying or what's not, because my interpretation was, like you said, they talked about it already. And he made it clear that he wanted her there. But that was not her interpretation. No, it wasn't. And I'm like, we're both speaking English here. I was very inclined to give her the benefit of the doubt on this one. Okay. How bad, or at least equal blame at minimum. (laughs) I'm like, okay, if we plan to go to Memphis, aren't we going to be like, oh, next week when we go to Memphis, we should go to that one restaurant. Oh, next week when we go to Memphis, I think I'll be doing this for work. You guys live together and you were not clear as to whether or not you were going on a road trip together to Memphis? Communication is confusion. Communication is hard. I think that's now okay, you give more insight, and now I'm thinking about after party. 
I think that's what she was expecting. But in his mind, he's probably like, just come with me and we'll figure it out. There's not a lot of men who are planners. So he's just like, I have a job. We're going to this. I'm just going to come. But she's like, you need to be masculine and you need to tell me, I want you here. I'm going to get this. I don't know if he drove or if he flew or something or whatever. Like, let's get here at this time. We're going to stay here. We're going to do this, like you mentioned. But he never actually came up with a concrete plan. And Kirsten is going to take any opportunity to be like, eh. And that's what she did. I don't fault her for it, though. (laughs) How am I supposed to know that you want me there if you don't make any plans for me to be there? Like, I would just basically want to know, oh, we go in there, we're spending the night. Okay, which hotel? If you haven't even gone so far as to make that plan, are you planning on camping on someone else's couch? What are you, what is your plan? And if you haven't made a plan, how am I supposed to know I'm supposed to go along with you? But this is where closed mouths don't get fed. They're still learning each other. We're not saying that he shouldn't not do that, but you have to open your mouth too. Hey, I would, you state your side. I would like to come. But it looks like you don't have any plans. And I really, I'm not a fan of going things where are not planned. So maybe on the next trip, I'll go with you. Which I think she kind of said or something like that. Yes. But you have to be clear. I will go with you on the next trip. But on the next trip, be prepared and give me an itinerary and tell me so I am better prepared and I know how to pack. And you, Shaq, sir, if you want your wife there, you'd be like, hey, I would really like you to be here. And that's an opportunity for her to say what she needs. Like, I don't know why these people don't want to open their mouths and just speak to each other and instead think everyone is going to be a mind reader. People that have been married years still aren't on that level. Talk less of you guys who never dated. And I think that Shaq actually tried in that conversation to perhaps go a little in that direction, but Mm -hmm. then he kind of ruined it with his running the streets comments and his, I think he saw it as a breakdown in communication, which is what I think it was. But he didn't have to be like, you're running the streets without me. You're just making plans without me. It was a miscommunication. Next time, communicate better. Yeah. But they they suck at communication. My goodness. (laughs) At the end of this, a producer asked Shaq if he's happy in an interview. This man says, happy is a stretch. (laughs) Grateful and overjoyed, but not to that happy place where she supports him in the things he wants to do in his life. I kind of, there's some, Shaq has, um, I think earlier in the episode, Shaq said something about when he came into the marriage, he was very clear that what he wanted was support. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's an interesting stance to take. I believe that within the first 48 hours of you being married, she went to an event with you and supported you. She's yeah, had your mentors true. over to the house. I don't know. Is Shaq looking for someone to just like be there while he works? Like a political wife type? That is so true. Um, I think, you know, earlier you mentioned that Shaq is working through a lot of things. So I think this is a personal thing that is spilling into the marriage. And the same way Kristen wants um, Shaq to be like her dad and be whatever it is. I think Shaq requires that of Kirsten, but I don't also think he's also good at articulating what that is. Because just saying you want support and you gave these examples is very vague. Like, what exactly is it that you want? Because even when they met his family, 
that's the same thing his godmother said that just support him just be there for him like if he needs something then you can anticipate his need before so i think there's we just don't know what the actual definition is and i don't know if shaq does and not to be tit for tat about it but what <laughs> is he planning to do in return be masculine buy a 2.1 million dollar house <laughs> <laughs> Okay. There's one thing that made me laugh when she was saying like, I don't, I, I, um, I don't want to, when I didn't know you really wanted me to be there and I feel bad and I don't want to make you feel bad. And Shaq said, imagine how I feel. It's <laughs> 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 so childish. <laughs> the woman says she feels bad for not going to Memphis with you. Instead of just saying, that's okay, we can make up for last time, we have the rest of our lives. She's like, imagine how I feel. I'm like, okay. So, Tane and I have been complaining. We have no right to because we used to complain that they got together too much. But now we've complained <laughs> that they don't get together enough. And I guess someone heard us because now they're together. The guys go to a batting cage. Uh, Eris is pretty terrible. I'm sorry, Eris is all right. Clint is terrible. <laughs> Whenever I see a man failing at sports, this is so bad, but I'm just waiting for him to lose his shit in frustration. Why? <laughs> because I've seen it way too many times. <laughs> but you know what? Clint is not that person. Clint Aris has said, swag. I'm just kidding. Eris <laughs> says, throw his back out. And I'm like, that's a real theme for you. <laughs> Uh, girls go to the cocktail class. Nicole talks about loving the other ladies and they haven't gotten together in a while. And the last time they were together with their husbands and now they can smack talk properly. Um, we are forced to watch this man make an espresso martini. He seems nice. Very nice. I don't care about espresso martinis. Um, I love him. I finally <laughs> had it. I've always wanted one for so long. I don't know why I never had it. And I finally had it last year. It was delish. I'll take your word for it. It's <laughs> You don't like coffee, right? I don't like, I especially don't like coffee flavored things. Oh, gosh. But I mean, I like coffee, actually. I mean, I, I will drink it occasionally as a necessity, but no, I actually don't really love coffee. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> they had espresso martinis. Um, Gina's like, I was a bar. I love how Gina's like, I was a bartender, but like we were making espresso martinis. <laughs> <laughs> we're just throwing out beers in plastic cups. <laughs> um the the guy instructing them is like you can take a you can you take a sip and then you can adjust it i was like this is too much work (laughs) (laughs) um so we go back to the boys and someone says oh you guys had some sex talk this week dr pia came to visit you Chris talks a little bit about um, Nicole's self-worth issues. And then we cut to Nicole telling the girls the same thing. And she tells him there's not much Chris can do because it's internal. But if he sees her upset, he's almost too respectful because she'll just, he'll give her space basically. And she doesn't want space. I was like, Jesus Lord, this man can't be a mind reader. (laughs) (laughs) I guess she's given him instructors that even if she says she needs space, she doesn't mean it, and he should actually just like force her to talk about her issues. It sounded the, a little exhausting. Well, do you know what I was thinking? I think it's like the case of like, remember Danielle and Bobby when everyone was bitching and they're like, we're fine. It almost <laughs> felt like Nicole is like the only happy one of all of them. And it's almost like, 
wanting to not be like, we're perfect and just trying to throw something out. Because in actuality, I don't even see that happening. Like, I don't think that she would see it as he's too respectful. I don't know. I don't know. I like your theory. You're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just... I'm too they, happy with these miserable ass people. <laughs> they have good communication. And it's not a thing. Like, if Nicole just says, I need you now. And I feel like she's comfortable enough with him that if she really needed to get something off her chest, she'd be like, oh, I just really need to talk now. And Chris would be like, okay, I'm here for you. So it just felt like, let me throw this ladies a bone. <laughs> we have some to troubles feel too. Better. <laughs> So we go back to the guys and they ask Shaq to give a number and he says a seven to eight out of ten. What did we say, people? Don't do these ratings. <laughs> um, <laughs> Throw the numbers says, in the trash. <laughs> he says there's a little nitpicky things, and the only thing he asked for is support in his job and school. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I need more understanding there. Um he says they're question, getting fr- question A. Do you think that Shaq's dedication to work is on the same level as Gina. Because I don't feel we give Shaq as much shit as we give Gina. Should we be doing that? This man has traveled twice in the course of (laughs) filming this show. (laughs) I think I will say this. Shaq has had his family on there. Um, at the wedding, he did have friends who did not work for the university or were connected. To the- so- we got mentees. We, <laughs> we got mentees. mentees twice now. <laughs> I'm just I kidding. would say There's he does point. deserve, we should give him more shit for the work thing. Um, we should probably give him more shit, yes. Especially when he says things like, I just need support for work and school. And I, I just, I don't know. There's something very selfish about that. Yeah, because I mean, the first time I had that thought was when he was saying like, he's trying to balance it. He's so busy. And I'm like, if you didn't have time for a wife, why did you think now was the best time to get married? Like, if your stuff is so busy now, and it's all year round, like you have to make time for your wife. So I don't know, I don't get it. Because Gina also said she's ready now, but doesn't seem like it. She's building a whole salon. So when okay. Shaq says this, it sounds to me like he wants a wife to fit into his life. Mm. And I don't know that he is ready to fit into somebody else's life. Yeah. Because he's saying be patient and just hang in there, but there's no end date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I swear Eris was fed this line. So he's like, since we're in a baseball stadium, how are you doing with the intimacy? Mm, mm, um, mm, mm, and Shaq smiles and he says, second base trying to get to third. I was surprised by this. I thought they had sex a couple weeks ago, but I was faked out by a preview. They will have sex in the future, but apparently at this point they haven't yet. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen the scene from the preview. Because I think the preview was last, yeah, it was last week with the painting. But yes, with the painting, I we I thought they had sex, uh, but apparently not. Apparently not. And then I was well, like, are they lying? Who knows? We'll find out. They could easily say they had had sex, but they didn't want to share. And maybe now they want to share. Who knows? Karsten is being asked the same questions. And she says that they're working up to it. I, I, sorry, I had, I had a thing about that because Nicole was very clear. Like, where are you guys at? Do you know what you're working with? Because if you recall, 
Miss Kirsten says she needed seven, eight inches. So Nicole is pointedly asking, what are you working with? Have you felt around? And she's like, we're working towards it. I'm like, Ugh, just answer. <laughs> Jasmine says, so you're wanting him to take control, but you're not going to turn him down. And they all laugh about it. And like, this is the most genuine smile I think I've ever seen from Kirsten. But mm. she says she's getting a lot of ideas. Mm. I'm suspicious. <laughs> Mm. Clint continues with the baseball analogies. He says that he and Gina are not in the dugout. They're not in the stadium. <laughs> Chris says, so you're waiting in line to get in. <laughs> uh, Clint says it's an interesting place to be in, that he's sexual and he's trying to work the intimate exercises and he's trying to keep an open mind. And Gina says that we have to build some sort of intimacy to see if we can sustain any kind of healthy marriage. They're not quitters. I'm so bored. You guys are never going to do anything. <laughs> Eris says that he and Jasmine didn't talk about sex with Dr. Pia. They talked about other ways to be intimate. And he said that he's had situations in the past where he's learned to like people past the physical. There are other ways to be turned on. I have no idea what this man is saying. <laughs> Jasmine once again talks about brushing things under the rug. You know, it just comes to a point. I can't hear Jasmine say brush under the rug anymore. <laughs> She's killed the phrase for me. Well, in your mind, every time she says brush, say vacuum. Does that help? No. <laughs> it's continually telling. I mean, granted, a lot of the time she said it in after party, but she keeps on telling on herself. Stop telling us that you brush things under the rug and you think it's a bad thing. Why don't you try not brushing things under the rug just once and see what happens? Well, I mean, it's a habit with these girls because even going back to Kirsten, she is waiting for Shaq to initiate everything, but he has no idea. But she's telling the girls. And I think this, this correlates with whatever episode she was on in After Party, if you recall, where Nicole slid a note. I'm guessing after this scene was when the note happened. Uh, I think on Kinetic this week, they posted a picture of Nicole slipping the note under the door. I thought that was a, like a joke. Oh, okay. I saw it, but I just thought it was like a jokey thing. But yeah, I think it was like last week or something. But I mean, we wouldn't know when she did it. That's true. But I think she, like in the timeline. Yeah, we don't know when she did it, but she we know she did do it. And apparently there's photographic evidence. Yeah, but the point is, Kirsten should try telling Shaq, the person who's actually going to do something. He's <laughs> still having the nuts the door. But anyways, yeah, my point is, so does Jasmine. I think just seething inside, Eris is supposed to read her mind and figure it out. But no, it, 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 I mean, I don't... I, under the rug. <laughs> I don't want to be hard on her because I think it's very hard to unlearn stuff. And I think Jasmine has just been so used to being grateful for whatever she's been served and not, she doesn't know how to demand more for herself. And I mean, in but, her defense, I'm not sure what she's supposed to be demanding from Eris. Effort. Effort. This man has not even taken her on a proper date that is about something she likes. Everything is about telling, being an emotional receptacle and listening to something that he's telling her about yes it could be bonding but you have to do fun things 
Like, I don't think, like, to a point, I, I see that he's trying, but he's trying for himself. But I don't think he's done anything for both of them. He's just really good at the talking. So, yeah, he's sharing. Yes, he's calling her family. And I think she validated that by saying that he doesn't follow through. After she talks about brushing things under the rug, she says she feels like she's worried about what the answer is going to be if she does ask Eris, I guess, some questions. Mm -hmm. And then she's like trying not to cry. But then Nicole says, this is safe space. Please know that. And then she starts bawling. And Jasmine says she's just at her breaking point. And Kirsten says that she knows how badly that Jasmine wanted to be married and that she's sorry. Um... Nicole says that her heart is breaking, that Jasmine is a wonderful person. She went in with an open mind. She's an incredible wife. She's not getting what she needs in return. And Jasmine said emotionally she doesn't know what else she has left to give. So, yeah, that was a lovely end of the episode. Tane, who has your bouquet this week? My bouquet could have gone to a number of people. I was not sure who to give it to, but I think I ended up with Nicole. I just really appreciated that moment with Dr. Pia, the self-realization, the self-awareness, and just being able to appreciate and not letting, no matter the things that happened to her, prevent her from appreciating the good man that she that she has right now. Because as we can see, it could go the other way, Jacqueline. <coughs> so... I appreciated that about her and for being vulnerable. I mean, it can't be easy just facing all your traumas. In like an eight week period. TV, in an eight week period all the time. So with a new yeah. husband. Yeah. And us. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So she gets my bouquet. Who has yours? You know, I'm going to give it to Dr. Pia. <laughs> yeah. For our struggle couple, she really tried. And I, I, that moment where she told Nicole and the manner in which she told her, don't say that about yourself. Mm-hmm. I, it really struck me very deeply. I think Dr. P is really good at this. They need to make her permanent. She's um, she's uh, really, really good. Like even last season, even though Alexis didn't take kindly <laughs> to a question, she did ask all the right questions and she struck a nerve. And that's why Alexis was like, this is not a safe space for me. <laughs> I just, I've, I've never in my life said this is not a safe space for me. And yet on TV, I hear it all the time. <laughs> I know. They're in California with all the things. But I like your choice of Dr. Pia. She was my other option um, for the bouquet. But I, I really related with Nicole, like, personally. So that's why she went over Dr. Pia. Relatable content. Who has your burnt ashes? My burnt ashes goes to Kirsten. Ugh, I'm just tired. I don't like not knowing. Like, you know how you feel like you have a good read on people? I don't like not knowing, is this genuine? Is this not? Does she like this man? The internet is convinced she does not. But I'm not completely there yet. But I don't like not knowing. I don't like Shaq not knowing um, that she's ready to give it up. Like, you got to talk to your husband. I don't like the things of, if you want me, you should let me know. And the side by, it's just exhausting. Actually, and Shaq, too. Throw him in there, too. Both of them need to get it together. Who has yours? Shaq and Kirsten. (laughs) That whole Memphis situation. First, there was a bad communication before they left. Before he left. About whether or not she was going. Mm 
Then there was a bad communication while he was gone. Then there was a bad communication when he returned. I don't feel like the right lessons were gleaned from this. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Shaq's insistence that he must be supported in all his endeavors. <laughs> It's actually, I mean, we're giving Kirsten a lot of shit for saying that Shaq is not man enough or whatever the hell it is she's trying to say. I think uh, he deserves some some shit too for being like, I need to be supported. I came to marriage to be supported in my endeavors. That is a very odd expectation for marriage. Do you think Shaq just wants a wife, like, for the the look of it, like the image, like... For the checklist of success? Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know. It's I think it's totally plausible. I think that is a plausible thing to think. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about it until now. Because I'm just like, what does that mean? I want the support. Like a first lady type stuff. <laughs> Anyways. Um that's it for this week, you guys. You can find Tane on the rewatch with Nana. They just finished covering season 6A of Sex and the City. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at AlterCallMAFS. That's A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. We love hearing from you guys on social media. Yes, we're available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Don't forget to subscribe. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you're so inclined. And we will see you here next week. Bye. Bye.